Awesome. Hi everyone, this is Arthi from Human Chapters. I'll tell you a bit about Human Chapters. Humans are living narratives with a past, present and future. These narratives constitute of a number of chapters across a lifespan. The aim of these conversations is to highlight a chapter of the narrative and unpack its connections to other chapters. I don't care whether people are truly natural storytellers, but I truly do believe each one of us has a worthy story and chapter to share. An acknowledgement to country, we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land which now comprises Greater Shepparton. We pay respect to their tribal elders past and present and emerging. We celebrate the continuing culture and we acknowledge the memory of their ancestors. And today we are going to be talking to Josh and Josh's chapter is Hereditary Spastic Paraparesis, in short, HSP. Go for it, Josh. Awesome. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, like Arty said, I'm Josh and thank you, Arty, for having me on. Um, and uh, just a bit about me, I'm 22 and I was uh, raised on Yorta Yorta land, uh, but now reside in Wurundjeri, Wurundjeri country. Um, I love live music. I love going camping. I just got back from a camping trip uh, maybe two or three hours ago. And um, I am a really lucky uh, niece. Oh, sorry, I I'm a really lucky uncle. I have two nieces that I just love spending a lot of time with. Uh, and yeah, uh, I think my favorite pastime is driving around Victoria and going to a bunch of country towns, bakeries, and just trying out the pasties and that sort of stuff. Uh, my brother and I love to do that on our spare time. So yeah. <laughs> awesome. But um, yeah, no. Oh, no, sorry. I was going to say, we'll have to talk about those country towns and bakeries after the conference. <laughs> I've got a list. I'll, I'll send it through, Artie. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> go, go for it. Yeah. Um, and, oh, yeah, so, sorry, I've got the, I think, the uh, thing here. But, yeah, so uh, I think my uh, uh, my passions, I guess, is uh, I love telling stories. Uh, most of the time they're not mine. Um, they're other people's, but I love using uh, my, my platform or, or my skills, if you call it, um, in videography and photography to uh, help tell stories. Um, and, yeah, uh, I guess that's that's really me in a nutshell, I guess. So, yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that lovely introduction, Josh. Um, tell us about HSP and the start of it all. What? Yeah, yeah, is it and how did so? Oh, basically, hereditary spastic paraparesis is a really rare disease. It affects one in uh, around six to eight million, um, and on varying different degrees. Um, I didn't know I had it, uh, although I've been presenting symptoms since I was about from my earliest memory, about ten or eleven. Um, I always just shook, shook it off as fatigue or it's just, oh, I'm just tired or whatever. But basically um, my legs, uh, when activating, um, are, like uh, I, they just spasm and I lose control of my legs. And sometimes I'll um, lose footing, I'll fall down or I'll be able to just hold on. But yeah, I, I, I like uh, shake a lot in my lower limbs. Um, so HSP is often, so it's uh, paraplegia or paraparesis. So paraplegia is on one side, paraparesis is on both. So I have both. Okay. Uh, and it is a degenerative disease. So it is likely that as I age, it will get worse. Yeah. 
uh, which is a thing in itself uh, to come to terms with. But I, uh, yeah, uh, it's it's been a process of coming to terms uh, for the past two or three years when I um, I was on my gap year. I was working in my gap year, and then I knelt down to take photos, and then I couldn't feel my legs and I couldn't stand up, and then we had no idea what was going on and I was um, rushed out of that um, venue to the hospital and then it was about then to when I got a like a, a proper diagnosis was about 11 months and yeah. from that 11 month period uh, I still don't know which genes I have uh, of which type HSP I have um, and that was maybe a year and a bit ago so that it's we're still in the process of a final full diagnosis or uh, that apart from just the general diagnosis of hsp um but yeah uh is there any clarifications that you need on that but so in the 11 months with yeah your symptoms were leg spasming fatigue yeah. and then did it did it sort of increase in strength any of those symptoms as you did grow older or what what was that yeah so i have uh phases of uh where i'm bedridden for a couple of days at a time um where walking to the uh like going downstairs in my place is like that's a task in itself um but i um a lot of the time it's like, so if I'm having a really full on day and I try and stand up, um, I have to stand up really slowly because if I don't, my legs will spasm. Yeah. I have on average around 10 to 15 spasms a day. Um, and some of them last for 10 seconds. Um, I have had ones last for almost five minutes. Um, they happen when I sleep. Um, and I, I, I remember being at an airport with mum and dad. We were flying to Hong Kong. And I fell asleep because we were really, I was really tired and I was spasming and they didn't want to wake you up. Uh, so they just had to let it go. But you could imagine the, the, almost the pain in my parents. Like it was like, uh, do we stop this? Do we not sort of thing? So, uh, but yeah, it, it, it is a, it's a, for me, it's one thing having it, but it's also one thing thinking about what other people are thinking of uh, yeah. when I'm having those spasms it's a confronting thing like I am literally losing control of my legs and you have to sit there and watch me tell you it's okay I'm fine yeah. but and then I, I guess like the, the normal thing or what people tell me is like do I help you do I not sort of thing so um but yeah that's uh that it's like a uh it it, it so over the process of that um, that eleven months, yeah. it was really bad at the start, and then I I got some treatment, um, and then we were able to, I, and then I guess I kind of um, got a grasp of things. So it's I, I was able to walk and get my mobility back again, but yeah. there were always bad days, and yeah. there still are bad days now. Um, and yeah, and um, I might have missed this, um, Josh, but. From, say, that initial event when um, you were taken to the hospital because you couldn't get up, um, what happened, like, how long after that did you regain mobility in your legs? Yeah. And, like, what was 
that process like in itself? Yeah. Well, that was that, that was crazy in itself because when they took me to hospital, um, the doctor brushed it off as a panic attack. Oh. Uh, so, yeah, the ED doctor thought I was just having a panic attack. Um, and then I, um, my parents weren't content with that answer. Um, uh, and, uh, I was obviously disheartened. So we went specialist after specialist, but while we were doing this, um, I was like hobbling. Um, and, uh, like, uh, I was at the time working at Notre Dame as a faith and ministry trainee and they cut down, I had to cut down all my hours to like maybe two or three hours a day after that period of time of trying to regain my mobility. And it was Two, um, two specialists a week. So it was a physio and an osteo trying to get me up to, to, to speed because before this, I was living a very active lifestyle. Like mm-hmm. I would go on hikes, you know, I went to the gym relatively often. Um, you know, uh, I, I rode my bike, I went for runs um, and then all of a sudden had to stop, uh, which was pretty hard for me uh, mentally and physically. But uh, yeah, uh, I'm sure mum and dad won't mind me telling this, but uh, there was a point in time where my health was so bad that um, I had to, so they started sleeping in my room because yeah. they bought a uh, one of those uh, reclining beds for an extra dollar. Yeah. Uh, so they were they had to buy a new bed and then they were like, oh, it's an extra dollar for one of those reclining ones. Let's get one for a joke. Um, and then it turned out being one of the most useful things for me. So I ended up sleeping in that bed. Yeah. while I was trying to recover and trying to find comfortable positions and getting them a grasp of what that meant from me that day. Because it, it yeah. for some reason, it progressively got worse on that day. So I've always had these symptoms, but yeah. never noticeable. But on that day, and no specialist has been able to figure it out, it just got worse. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. What a... I'm just trying to comprehend or not even it's a lot sorry (laughs) no 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 but like the turn of events and what it must have been like for you from that start point of not being able to feel your legs to get up to then being rushed to hospital to then yeah you know for it to be brushed um off as a panic attack to then Yeah. yeah like then in regaining or trying to regain that mobility and recover recovering in a sense from that event what yeah. it, oh it, it was a lot for sure and I think the big thing on that is like um I I knew what I was feeling and I I knew it wasn't right and I knew I shouldn't be feeling those things and I knew my legs shouldn't be doing that and I knew I should be able to feel my hands yeah. and all that sort of stuff but as soon as that doctor it's just a panic attack the first just doubt just crept into my head and it was like, is this all in my head? Am I making all of this up? Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess like, and part of this um, diagnosis period has been so difficult because I still think that there's like little bits and um, like little like, um, time, like periods of time will slip into my head where it's like, is this all in my head? Am I putting this on? Yeah. Even though I'm not, I think. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so it, like that that moment was really almost like hurtful and kind of made me second guess a lot of things moving forward from then. Um, and a lot more, I guess, um, whenever I am given a firm diagnosis, I will still be like, 
Are you sure? Like I, I, it's almost never finite for me, but uh, I, I was starting to come to terms with that um, for better or for worse. So yeah, no, thank you so much for sharing that part of it. Um, I have two questions. One is, what do those spasms feel like in your body? Um, yeah. And the second question is, what type of specialists did you have to visit to of get the diagnosis? Yeah. So Arthi, I'll get you to, if you can just tense your legs, okay. like really, really tight. And whoever's watching, if you can tense your legs really, really tight and then let go. Yeah. Imagine how that happening 30 seconds, uh, 30 times a second. <gasps> oh, so, oh uh, uh, so, and then that happens again for uh, sometimes for 10 seconds, sometimes for four and a half to five minutes. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, uh, it, it gets worse when I'm tired or, or fatigued and stuff. Um, and I, which is quite often because I'm very hard headed and I push my body a lot, but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that's, that, that's, I guess that uh, that's how it feels. And yeah. so what was your last question? I, uh, so I the that. next one is what type of specialists did you have to? Visit? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it started off with, we, um, so we went to a neurologist yeah. uh, first uh, and then, no, sorry. We went to a uh, neurosurgeon yeah. who then um, passed this on to a neurologist and then um and then in conjunction with my neurologist, I also have a pain specialist. Yeah. Um, that we, so uh, that we uh, try and like, you know, manage the pain levels and stuff over periods of time. Um, those are the main ones. Um, and then, yeah, your physios and stuff as well. But uh, the neurologists, uh, I'm super lucky to be living in Heidelberg with yeah. Austin down the road. And, um, and the Austin's like specializes in the, like rare neurological diseases. Yeah. So, um, uh, so the main team that I'm currently, um, I guess, working with is uh, based in Austin. Um, and yeah, the process of getting that ball rolling, like even to find out which STG type I have is six months. So for the, from the time I give my blood to the time I get, I may get results uh, because from my understanding, there is, uh, there's like 40 types of HSP, but they can only test for six. Oh. So if I don't have any of those six SPG genes, I still have HSP, but they don't know which one I have, uh, which complicates yeah. things. And, and is yeah. it just because the other ones haven't been specifically discovered in, our, in the research process? Yeah. 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 So it, it, it's because I guess the, the, the pool to... Uh, choose from uh, to find the genetic testing from is so small yeah. that and uh, certain um, certain types of um, HSP are more common than others. Sure. So, yeah, if I do have one of the more rarer ones, I might or a combination of a bunch of them. Yeah. I may only find out of two or three at this point in time, sure. but the more people get tested, um, yeah. the more likely I will get a. SP like another SPG or a couple more yeah but yeah yeah wow so then for, so we've 
um, talked about the assessment and diagnosis um, part of your chapter. What does treatment look like? Um, Relatively non-existent. Oh. Um, Yeah, so it is a, so for HSP itself, um, there is no cure. Um, I have basically just have to accept that my body will, my legs mobility will deteriorate when I, I, as I grow older, uh, unless they find a cure. Um, but for, I guess, pain management wise, I, um, undergo a ketamine infusion once every seven to 10 months, which is when I go into hospital and I go in, uh, I get a, uh, um, oh, what are they? Uh, the I get it. Uh, yeah, it's basically an IV drip. I keep forgetting what they're called. Um, but uh, my sister, who's a health professional, will be like, <laughs> yeah. she's screaming at the screen. Um, but I, um, yeah, so I get one of uh, I get one of those, and uh, over for a whole seven day period, I get um, ketamine uh, dripped into my system, uh, which is meant to. Uh, reset your pain thresholds and I get a relative uh, a pretty high dose in comparison to uh, yeah a lot of people but uh, that's yeah the metro pain specialists that are uh, which is the team that I work with are very like they, they they've worked with uh, like I guess uh, pain similar that I am the first HSP patient they have worked with uh, but oh that's yeah so uh, which is which is uh, good for further people who will um go down this road because yeah. there are other ways like I think other people do um cortisone injections but they they don't last as long yeah. um and the more you do them you can only do cortisone injections so much yeah. so yeah and and you said this um seven day period is every six yeah. six to um so I am overdue for my first one um, yeah. That's because I had wanted to finish all of my uni assessments. But yeah, yeah, usually meant to be between seven to ten months, depending okay. on how I feel. Sure. Um, the more the longer um I go away from that date, the more and more bedridden I get. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, even yeah, so uh it, it what we found for me is it, it's been like a compound thing. So the more fatigued and the more stressed and the more tired I am, the yeah. more spasms and the more they hurt. Yeah, I have the more spasm I have, the more they hurt. Yeah, yeah, that sort of cyclical effect of, but in the negative. Yeah, um, yeah. wow. Yeah. That okay. So then, do you do anything for yourself that you have found, like anecdotally, um, things yeah. that are helpful or some? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. I am super lucky to be living in a share house with split system air conditioning um, because uh, sometimes my nerves would just play up and then again compound. So like uh, when it's um, really hot, my nerves would just go crazy and then my legs would just want to kick. Um, and then, um, but, but when it's too cold, I also, I seize up and my muscles get really stiff. So it's always a balance. I'm always mm-hmm. reaching for the uh, thermostat. Um, I, 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 like it, it took me a while to get back to it, but a uh, relative, uh, like off like exercise, like whenever I can. Um, so I try and go for walks, uh, as often as I can and I'll, I'll, I'll try and switch it up and go for runs. But, 
uh, that's more of pleasing my mental state than it is my body. Because yeah. uh, that's a that's a, often a balance and a catch twenty two in itself. Like I, I, I need that satisfaction mentally because I miss that those activities. But then I also know that if I do this, I might be not walking the next day. Which, yeah, yeah which is which is a, which is which is a tightrope for sure. So, yeah. Okay. So temperature control exercise. Speaking of your activity transition yeah let's talk about like that component of it how (laughs) have you processed and digested this diagnosis um at the start not very well (laughs) i was uh i i went from what like being as independent as humanly possible um, from a a young age and, you know, coming from an Asian family. uh, My mother has the biggest loving heart, but wants to do everything for me. Um, So when I was young, I was like, no, I've got this. I'll do this. I'll do this on my own. Like I, um, I would ride my bike to the other side of town in Shep. Like I I would, I refused to let mum drive me to certain places. Like I'd always ride my bike. I wanted to do everything on my own accord. Um, So going from that mentality to having my mum having to put my socks on on certain days was, uh, yeah, a bit debilitating. Like um, I like, uh, and um there was a point in time when uh like so it was maybe three or four months after i just had that uh that episode in 2018 so when i had to go to hospital um and my best mate wanted to come and uh, take me for kebabs because i wasn't doing so well and he had to put my socks on yeah um and for me that really really stung that was like a dagger in the heart um but it's gone from that and slowly gaining my mobility and actually coming to terms with it's okay for other people to help me and do things for me um and it it doesn't change like how they see me or who I am because they're helping me out Mm -hmm. I still struggle with that um to this day Uh, my family will be the first people to tell you that I am very hard-headed and I will push my luck to everything Mm -hmm. um but I think it's just a balance um yeah so Josh, when you, like there are significant transitions and um, the long-term implication of these transitions, how did you seek help for yourself um, sort of even in that mental space, family being there, but were there other things you did that you do currently um, and what does it like you, you it, you're stripped off your independence and that debilitating mm. feeling and with it I again I comes all of those sort of thoughts and what what's going to happen next how how do you deal with that yeah um and uh similarly to the physical side of things at the start not very well yeah um I, like I think I I recluse I didn't want, I, I, I felt like I was a burden and everyone and everyone that I was around, even strangers. Yeah. So I limited my time outside. Um, it affected my relationship with my family, uh, relationship with my mates, relationship with anybody and everybody. I, I kind of just like, yeah, I, 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 
I treated other people differently because I didn't want to be treated differently. Um, And uh, uh, I guess it was, it was, it was super hard at the start. um, But I um, thankfully was in touch with a psychologist already at the time. So uh, that was a huge part of the the process of healing was actually talking to her and getting it across to myself that it's okay not to be okay and it's okay to ask for help. Um, I grew up uh, of faith and it was very easy for me for this period of of time in my life to turn away from that, to be Mm. like, why me? Why is this happening to me? Like out of all people, why me? Um, and I think part of asking for help is also opening that part of my heart again and kind of like let, letting go of things like that. Like, you know, that, yeah, I, I think that was a huge part like um, of it, like asking those questions, but also like sitting there and like, you know what, I don't, you don't need the answers for everything. Mm-hmm. You just got to take it a day at a time and just, uh, yeah, be. I think that's one thing is just being and uh, a, a, a word that I used to hate, but now have grown to love is compromise. Yeah. Um, because I used to think that compromise was a bad thing. Like I couldn't do exactly what I wanted to do. So I had to compromise. Yeah. Um, and that sucked because I wanted to do exactly that. But then the more I got out there, like, like, oh uh, yeah, I used to like to going hiking, but I realized I couldn't go hiking for as long as I did um, before. So uh, I just started camping more and I I still get to see uh, what I wanted to see, but in a different way. Uh, And that's a compromise, but it's a compromise of growth to love. So I think loving compromises is uh, a a thing that has helped me a lot. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it also appears to be a part of um, that, acceptance as well with Mm. the compromise you know to a certain extent it is that acceptance that yeah it needs to be different and so that's where it's headed wow so that's how yes you're processing and do you find that it's gotten so since 2018 we are in 2021 what has that particular um, period brought about in terms of is it some days will be hard, some days will be easy-ish, but has it been better in terms of, okay, this is what it feels like, this is what needs to happen, and this is where we're going? How, yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny because, like, I, uh, even though with everything going on now, especially, like, post-pandemic and yeah. then with all the health stuff, like, I'm still in a better mental state now than I was three years ago. Um, and I can say that with confidence. Um, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's taken a long while to get here, but I can definitely say that. Uh, part of it has been being more open to talk to people and instead of just saying, I'm okay, don't worry about my legs it's actually having that dialogue and that conversation um i'm very lucky to be in a um an industry and i guess a a role uh with my work that um so i work for a non-for-profit catholic organization um and uh, i i do their video production and i'm part of the creative team there as well so i can work remotely i can work on my own hours 
Yeah. Um, and I could, because some days that I'll wake up in the morning and can't walk. Yeah. And so I can't go downstairs and I can't edit. Yeah. Um, so I will, uh, and that's fine with my, uh, with my boss. Um, and he's so understanding and uh, I, I have a good relationship with him uh, outside of work too, which is really, uh, really good. Uh, so on those days, I'll just come down at night and then fill out my hours that I need to do in the week. Yeah. Um, so it's super flexible and it's kind of what I need with my yeah. health. But yeah. Absolutely. And that was going to be my next question for you was um, your diagnosis in relation to your work and what that mean like um, in terms of an adjustment, in terms of flexibility, or have you Mm. had to change positions or, yeah. Yeah. So, well, I I work in the video production industry. It's like, that's how we first met Um, doing that job with uh, Jamie. Um, but I, uh, so I once was like, I, I did everything. So I, I, I did the filming, the editing, the shooting, uh, the sound, everything. Like I was always running around like crazy. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, now because of um, like my health, um, I haven't been able to shoot as much as I used to. Like, so yeah. actually be on site filming. Um, I've had to take on different roles in that sense. So um, um, a, a lot more uh, behind the scenes work or if I am um, uh, doing those uh, sorts of jobs, I have to uh, wear different, like uh, like uh, uh, I use different um, rigs and sort of and tools to make it easy for me to do that job. Sure. Um, if, and yes, yeah, like uh, for that uh, job that I did with Jamie, I had that big weird uh <laughs> Uh, thing that hangs my camera in front of me to save my legs and my back um, it's just things like that so I, I I've had to make accommodations yes. uh, but it has not stopped me uh, and but it has made uni and that sort of stuff a bit difficult as well because there are so I mean when the pandemic wasn't on there were days I couldn't get to campus yeah. um, so in a sense online learning helped and benefited me because yeah. I could just walk do everything from home or in bed when I wasn't having good dates. So, yeah. yeah. That's amazing to hear um, with how it's worked for you and it's worked well in that you were supported. It's um, the workplace itself is flexible and you're mm. still able to meet your hours or whatever, like to the capacity um where when and where you can yeah yeah and and i'm like again like incredibly lucky to be in the uh workplace that i'm in because like even if there were days that like i've got deadlines due yeah. but i can't move move out all i gotta do is text father of or uh, text Alyssa and just be like look today's not a good day and they'll be the first people to say that's fine rest like yeah. uh and i i i couldn't imagine myself getting that lenience in other industries or other positions. Um, like if I was a tradie or something, like I don't think I'd be able to keep up with uh, working in that field um, in my in my um, in my health. Uh, so I'm very, 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 very lucky to be in the industry that I'm in. Yeah, and actually, you've you've brought about such a good point in that sort of in this particular organization 
there are plenty of accommodations and supports available. And it, if there are any employers that are, um, are engaging with this particular conversation, is there something you'd like to tell them to be considering in their strategy for their employers? Yeah, I think the big yeah. thing is for me, when I, like, if I go into, like, the, the workforce in advertising, let's say, like, the big thing is I'm scared that people are going to be, that aren't going to hire me because of my disability. Yeah. Uh, and I'm scared that it's going to be, like, this guy's perfect for the job, but this is a limiting factor because he can't get into the office or so forth and so on. Um, so I think just having that conversation with people with disabilities, uh, physical or uh, not like uh, ones that present uh, outside uh, as well as inside, I think just having that discussion and being accommodating. Uh, and yeah, I guess reassuring is another thing too, because even though that option has been available from day one for me in my workplace, I am still reluctant to take it. I'm still reluctant to be like, sorry, I can't work today. Um, but I think being like reassuring, but uh, even just, and also being able to just be like, hey, like, are you, how are you doing? Yeah. Can I, like, can we accommodate? Like, is your workload okay? Like, how's your health been? Like, uh, yeah, just things like that. But again, like, it's often the, the first hurdle for me is what other people think. Yes. So it's like, in this case, what employers would think of me. Yeah. Um, so I guess trying to eliminate that barrier from the get-go would be good. Yeah. Okay. So that sort of um, external perception. Yeah. And yeah. like that's that, that starts with dialogue at the end of the day. So. Yes, absolutely. The next thing I wanted to, or the next couple of things I wanted to touch on, um, which I'm taking you back, but you mentioned faith. And yeah. during the point of diagnosis or that period after it, you were yeah. Um, sort of, yeah, you were taken out of bed for a period of yeah. time. Uh, what, how did you sort of, how were you drawn back to your faith and your belief? And yeah. Your, your um, I, I think um, that was, it, it, it wasn't a, a like a, a pinpoint moment. It was kind of like a, a, it was definitely a, it happened over time and it was interactions with other people of faith. Of, um, um, I, uh, the, the one that uh, stands out clearly is, uh, so working at Notre Dame, I um, also uh, was a parishioner at St. Brendan's yeah. and there was this lovely lady who uh, noticed that I wasn't at, um, at work and then I uh, approached my mom and my sister and uh, checked in on me. And then they told her. And um, a couple of months later, I saw her and I saw her crying. And she comes up to me. She hugs me. It's like, I've been praying for you. You're so strong. And I've been praying for you. Um, and that interaction was kind of one of those things that I'm like, okay, my heart at this point in time has frozen over, but other people's haven't. Yeah, like they are, their hearts are still hopeful, and I think, um, yeah, and being in that position, uh, as kind and like, yeah, was like striking at first. Like, I was like, oh, like, 
that's 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 a bit um, like uh, I think I was just I had my guard up at the start, um, mm. but then the more I thought about it, and the more I removed my I guess my hurt, yeah. I was I was able to be like that's actually so special, yeah. and um, and then again growing up in a family of faith, mum and dad were always praying. Uh, I get my close friend who's also my boss now. Yeah. I was always praying and he was always open to have that conversation with me. Um, so I think it was always just other people's support and they weren't saying like, you should pray again or you should, you know, find your faith again. They, it, it was always like they were doing little things um, that weren't necessarily verbal. Uh, but I, it was kind of like I, it slowly, like it was what I needed to find my way back. Um, yeah. Is that, is that, is that okay? Yeah, yes, <laughs> I, I get a bit shaky talking yeah. about that period of time. Yeah, because I, I guess like even even just my faith in general, I um like it's uh, it's one of those things, especially for a uh, a guy my age and uh, growing up in a country town and as as a Catholic, it's it's uh, we we have become the minority. Um, and, but uh, and so. I get a bit guarded about it, but it's definitely something that I'm proud of and I, I want to talk about more. So, yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. And um, Josh, you mentioned that the uh, people weren't telling you in spoken language to pray or to be doing yeah. that, but they did little things. What were those little things that had an impact? Like, uh, it, like, just from the simplest thing of like they would just like the extended hugs or they'd hold my hand when they'd tell me something or when I, I would be when I'd say that I was having a bad day but I'm on my feet and that's okay they would just have like I, I guess like they'd just have a look that you would kind of just be like I'm thinking of you or I'm praying for you or you're like yeah and that goes to people of non-secular uh, who are secular like that when uh, like I would just tell them of, of my story they'd just be like like their heart goes out to me like sort of thing and that kind of like I, I hate the attention being on me but I can't help but sit there and be like you know what that's something to be grateful yeah so yeah absolutely oh that is beautiful thank you for sharing that part no, that's okay um, yeah with us my other question was about culture so mm. growing up um yeah you know what are the the some of the beliefs and values and stuff that you've grown up with and did any of them have a friction when you were diagnosed to that sort of processing and acceptance this one's a huge one like i this this is gonna unpack a kind of can of worms but um yeah uh again growing up as a, a filipino a first gen, first generation uh australian and then also having this in the mix um I, oh sorry growing up in a country town as a first generation australian and throwing this in the mix is is a melting pot for a a uh, interesting reactions I guess um, but I think the big thing culturally was Filipinos uh, uh, we are incredibly humble people as a culture but we're also very um, quick to hide the impurities of ourselves and we put on hard like um, when you go to the Philippines and you'll um, you will see everybody that goes to church and they're like immaculate clothes 
yeah. right? But as soon as, um, uh, but then if you run into them on the side of the street, they're just in like, it's literally their Sunday best is what they're wearing. And AKA, that's the only nice pair of clothes they have. Um, but so it's always for, uh, I guess, like, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but a good image was always preferred in our culture. Yeah. Um, and uh, so uh, growing up, I was always like, I always hid my struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, so not only health wise, but uh, I, I have struggled with my mental health. Um, and it's like yeah, for a, a large period of my life. And that wasn't talked about in my culture. That wasn't spoken about even at home for a while. Like I'm so lucky that my brother was um, so supportive and he had his own, like he had his own journey with it all. And then my sister had her own own journey with it all. Uh, And my parents are incredibly understanding. And though it was a bit tough at the start, like they're, they're the first people to ask if we're okay now and they're so understanding and um but yeah that was always a struggle um talking about what isn't good in your life uh and then uh so when you drop a whole oh yeah maybe in 20 years time uh my mobility won't be the same I might have a cane I might be in a wheelchair or a walking crane and then how wearing that and other people seeing that um was a struggle for me because it's like, it's a pride thing at the end of the day. It's like these people, like, yeah, I, 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 I'm trying to coach that out of myself, like the whole, uh, what other people see me and perceive me as. And I think that's innate to that, uh, the cultural side of things, but my culture has also taught me to be resilient. Yes. Um, and like knock me down and I will get up sort of thing. Like, uh, and I, I yeah, uh, I think that's that, that's the big thing. Like every everything, cultures always teach, um, and, and you always learn from what your parents do. Um, whether whether you take those on or you learn from them, so I think that's that's a big thing that I'm still coming to terms with. And I hope that uh, me speaking about this and just even using like a dialogue with other people and on small level um can open up that conversation in in cultures when it comes to mental health and physical disabilities that we are literally the exact same as you and it's it's there's there's nothing that really changes that but yeah exactly and i i resonate with so much of what you've talked about within the filipino culture but coming from um indian roots but growing up in uh, like born and growing up in kenya just very similar mental health is a um considered a stigma disability is considered taboo and to be able to talk about these topics openly and honestly and um in quite a raw manner is such a beautiful thing because no one is immune to anything that's the thing Hmm. we we are all a human race so yeah. yeah no one's yeah immune to it no matter what the facade may appear to be yeah no that's beautiful so that's culture now I wanted to ask about um what it was like for your family when yeah um and like like I said like uh Filipinos in general put on a facade um, and mum and dad weren't different. 
Um, I think mum was like, mum wears her heart on her sleeve. So she was, she showed it more. And uh, I think the, 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 the phrase that breaks my heart is, uh, if I could take this away from you and I, and I, and I have it instead, I'll do it in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, and mum always says that dad always says that, but again, my parents are like, the, like, uh, I'm very lucky to have my parents because they're my biggest supporters. Like they're the first people uh, that I will call if I'm not doing too well, or they're the first people who will drive two hours down to Melbourne for an appointment with me, even though it's literally a 10 minute put ECGs on you and then send you away, they'll still drive down and they'll check in on me. And they'll, yeah, they're always by my side. And um, I, I'm lucky that they've received it that way. Cause I know some people on this journey haven't been as lucky. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. That's gosh, it would be so, yeah. To do anything for your loved ones. Right. And yeah, like it exactly. would be vice versa kind of thing yeah yeah and the thing is is when when i look into my mom's eyes and she tells me that i know she means every single yeah. word yeah yeah like and um but and yeah i i definitely like i am so 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 lucky to have them as parents because i was ready to give up on a di- finding a diagnosis months ago that they were not content with uh with with, with that unknown Yes. Uh, for better or for worse. Yeah. Um, and it, and they knew that, like, even though I was at a point where it was just like, I didn't think it was going to make a difference to whether I knew or not. They knew that at the end of the day, it, it's peace of mind. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm so lucky that they uh, they championed me on. I guess. Um, yeah. No, that's that's so wonderful. And um, the other thing I wanted to ask now, feel free to decline this question. Um, I would totally Mm -hmm. understand if that's the case, but talking about the future and that sort of, Mm -hmm. you know, you've mentioned it's a degenerative um, condition and what the trajectory is likely to be. How are you holding space for that? And how are you what's that like for you yeah i think there's uh there are days where i'm were extremely hopeful and i'll be like it doesn't matter like i am again as stubborn as all hell so i will be walking on like there there's i will always be on my feet whether that is for uh 10 seconds of the day or the whole day itself like i'll always be on my feet um but there are days where i it is doom and gloom and it is one of those things that's like I probably won't be able to drive around Australia uh, like mm-hmm. I wanted to in the way I wanted to like uh, I will probably have to be supported I'll probably have to do it with my partner uh, which is not a bad thing um, but uh, I will there will probably be a wheelchair in the back seat or there will be a walking frame in the back seat like we don't know what that looks like um my travels overseas will always look different. Um, I'll always need to make special accommodations. Like, so it is super daunting. Um, And I guess there are times where I just look at it and just be like, well, like, how do we move on from this? Yeah. Uh, But then most of the time I'm able, like, 
I, I I'll take it as a oh, okay. Let's just let's just play it by ear and let's take one step at a time. And these are the goals that I have in my head that I want to tick off. But if I don't tick them off the way that I I think I am, I know I'll tick them off that one way or another. Yeah. So I think um, being stubborn, as much as I've said it as in, in this interview, is paying off for me sometimes because I yeah, like I I won't let it stop me. Um, yeah, for sure. Good on you. And that's. <laughs> it's such an like it's so inspiring to hear that and going that yes you've said you're hard-headed you're stubborn but in that same context you've learned to love compromise and in that same like you can just listening to you speak about your journey gives me goosebumps but inspires me at the same time to go this is what we should be doing open dialogues and how do we um, accommodate for people and make them feel like yes they're wanted and they're worth it and all of that that goes with being human no matter what of course yeah and I think yeah um, the the big thing that I've had to teach myself is um, it was very easy for me to show compassion to other people yeah and Growing up, like we always like um, we did, my dad and I did soup kitchens. Um, it was always social justice was a big part of my life, um, and I I guess I could show compassion really easily to other people. But when it came to flip the, turn the mirror around and show compassion to myself, I couldn't. So I think being compassionate to yourself when you need it is so important, and it's something that I've had to like learn and force myself to do sometimes but it's so necessary for with a disability or without a disability yeah Yeah. that's right josh what does compassion look like for you when you're when you are actively showing it um to yourself um not beating myself up when i can when i can't do what i want to do yeah um there was this, the, the moment that sticks out in my head was I, uh, so my parents own a food truck in the, in Shep uh, mm-hmm. called Nana Mars. Yeah. And I was working an event with them and then my legs just gave way. Um, and then I was like, worst case scenario, I started running through my head. It's like, I've, brought shame to the food truck. I've, you know, mum and dad are going to be so like disappointed. Da, 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 da. You know, the list goes on. Um, but then uh, Greg uh, Brazel, who owns the Terminus, uh, the first, he was in line. And the first person who ran into the food truck was him. Aww. And he wanted to throw me over his shoulders and run me to the, um, run me to the uh, the medics. And I think compassion looks like that. It's like as stopping at a dime and being like, no, you are whatever's in your head. It doesn't matter. You deserve care. Yes. And you're okay. Like, I think that's, that's like, yeah, because I, I, I can get caught up in the logistics of what the next 10 years is going to look like. And I can get bogged down on that, but right now I'm okay. And that's, that's all I can ask, I guess. So. I guess that's compassion, if that makes sense. Um, and that's the thing, right? We we think about the future and we think about that sort of long term, but that's 
a lot of the times us living in hope and faith that that's going to happen mm. it's a, yes it's a beautiful thing but we also know the moment itself is extremely important and being mindful and yeah mindful of it yeah yeah my little nieces are teaching me that like of being present and just yeah. enjoying the moment for what it is and yeah they're they're absolute champions uh but yeah so I'm lucky to have them in my life as well so yeah that is beautiful um before we do the wrap up and I will I would love to talk about Nana Mars and what that food truck um yeah is. are there any questions uh that you would have wished I would I would have asked that I haven't even thought about or something yeah. you've been touched on? Um, no, I don't think so. I think like it's for me, this is the first time I'm actually fully publicly talking about oh. my diagnosis. Um, for a lot of people, uh, they've known I've been in, in and out of hospital. They know I've gotten sick. Uh, they know I have my mobility sometimes isn't affected too well. Um, mm. But so even just having the opportunity to have this conversation is the biggest question I, I could have gotten, I guess. Um, and yeah, uh, I'm, yeah, I, I just, I guess, thank you for the opportunity and thanks to my partner, Sarah, for convincing me to do this. So no, it's good. Thank you, Sarah. And no, thank you <laughs> you. It's been an absolute honour listening to what your journey has been in this condition because you can always read up on it, um, search it somewhere, you get the information, but that first-hand experience and having the honour to talk to someone about it is very, very special. So thank you. Um, You're too kind, Artie. Thank you. No, not at all. It really. <laughs> You're yeah. giving me too much credit. <laughs> No, oh my goodness. No, it's such an inspiration, honestly, um, listening to what you have been through, are going through, and what that's like for you. Um, tell us a bit about Nana Mars. It's yeah, so um, Nana Mars is uh, my, my mum and dad's food truck. Um, basically, mum has worked in hospo for uh, a large part of her life. And um, when uh, the uh, when uh, my first niece was born, uh, uh, was born Stella, mum took a break from it all. Yeah. Um, and then um, I think we uh, like we were just we uh, dad always had a dream of mum running her own shop. Yeah. Um, and then um, uh, the uh, so the, the the food truck idea was born. And when we first brought the food truck home, the caravan home from Bendigo, it was a shell of what it is now. But mum um, just had the biggest smile on her face and she recounted that when um, her her mum, her, um, her adopted mum raised her and her um, sister, she raised them by selling a street food at markets in the Philippines. Oh, and mum just had the biggest smile on her face selling it. She's like, and now I can do this with my kids and my grandkids. Like, you know, um, so hence the name Nana Mars was born. So Nana Mars is after my mum's um, grandma, uh, mum Marcelina. So mama Mars, Nana Mars. Um, and uh, it's, we, we joke around as we say, it's an extension of our home yes. uh, because whenever our friends come over, mum 
all all mum wants to do is cook for them. Yeah. Uh, so my friends <laughs> and my sister's friends and my brother's friends have been eating this food before it was a, a food truck. Yeah. Uh, and the joke was always, you guys should start a uh, you guys should start a restaurant and that sort of stuff. Um, and then so we've done that, and the, the community of Shepparton have just opened their hearts to us and have just welcomed us and yeah we, we couldn't have started the food truck in a better place sure. um because the community just rallies around you which is awesome and um yeah i uh, i like mum and dad's uh recipe well the chicken recipe is older than me and i, I was eating before i went vegetarian i was eating it for all my life so that's why i look the way i look oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i um and uh, mum was really like, it's like, oh, what if Shepparton doesn't like it? Or what if other people don't like it? And yeah. I'm so glad that, uh, you know, mum's doubts were proven wrong. Um, and yeah. That is amazing. What an incredible story. I think I'll have to, um, yeah, talk to them and say, let's, let's talk. I'm human chapter. No, I, I yeah, absolutely. I, I think they've got their own story to tell. And um, I'm very lucky to be a part of that family. And uh, I, I've learned, again, like I've learned a lot from my mum and dad and I wouldn't be here um, in, 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 I guess, as much hope as I hold without them and without my sister and my brother. So, yeah. That is so wonderful, Josh. Um, Let's do a wrap-up question, um, which is mm -hmm. three to five key takeaways you would like for anyone engaging with this conversation. Yeah, I ahead. think um, compassion. Yeah. Like show yourself compassion and show others compassion. Yeah. Uh, if you're the type of person to give your all to other people, uh, you deserve that too. Yeah. Um, I think compromise not being a bad thing. Yes. Um, uh, is huge um, and um, not having no having no reservations like because for me I I don't know what how the things that I do now will look in 10 years time if that makes sense like if I was to travel in 10 years time it won't be the same as how I travel now yeah. so live that up for what it is now and cherish those moments um, uh, I think the big thing uh, is always like, yeah, um, just tell people that you love them because things like change and situations change. And yeah, uh, I, I've lost count. Is that three or four? Yeah, is no, that five? no. That, yeah, okay. <laughs> no, that's absolutely beautiful. Thank you so very much, um, Josh. We've covered. I think a wonderful amount um, yeah. of information through your chapter. And so hopefully we'll get some awareness for HSP out there as yeah. well. Yeah, absolutely. No. Um, and that's, that's all it is like at the end of the day, like the more people know about it, um, the, the easier it is for people that have it to feel like it's okay yes. uh, when they are outside in the world and they have a spasm um that they're not thinking they're like you know like what the thoughts that were running through my head 
and yeah. still run through my head. I think that's the only thing that I could ask for, really. So thank you for this platform again and this opportunity to hopefully one step closer to that goal. So thank you. No, not at all. My absolute pleasure. And I just want to tell the people that will be either watching this um, chapter on Facebook or listening to it on podcast, please feel free to connect uh, to share it with people who may enjoy listening to it or connect with it to some respect we've talked a lot more about yeah your life experience um in it so there'll be different points that people might take away so thanks in advance for anyone else that's listening um or watching and thank you very much josh for taking the time out thank you so much Charlie. have a good one you too